Welcome to the Quantum Alignment Q&A, Humboldt series, where we traverse through an array of healing modalities to educate, empower, and excite our listeners on their path of holistic health and wellness. In sharing various practitioners' experiences and insight, we hope to cultivate a deeper relationship between one's true self, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Join naturopath, transpersonal psychologist, and cannabis therapy consultant, Dr. Pepper Hernandez in the Humboldt Quantum Alignment Series. And now, here is your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Welcome, and thank you so much for making time to be present with us today. Our intention for this podcast is for each and every one of us to get one step closer to a highest version of our aligned self. Today, I have a very special guest and friend with me today, Tobin Rongdrol. (laughs) please tell me that's right Uh uh-huh oh Tobin I love you thank you so much for being here today I am so grateful to be able to spend some time with you and like really dig in to maybe topics that you and I've never talked about which is pretty cool yeah so thank you can you tell you were telling us a little bit right before the podcast about your name tell me tell me tell me all of it I want to know all of it now what's the history oh it's a beautiful name so uh 10 years ago or something, I decided that I wanted to change my name. Okay. And uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to take the spiritual name that is given to Tibetan Buddhists during a ceremony called Refuge. Okay. And I had done the whole Refuge ceremony before, but I was redoing it. I was actually starting over from the beginning. Oh, wow. As part of just my whole spiritual intention. And so I did the Refuge ceremony again. And I was given a name, and it was Shenpen Rongdrol. Wow. And I just, that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't be Shenpen. <laughs> so I let go of the idea. Okay. And then my daughter came home from school, and she was telling this story that she had uh, learned in school. It's a wonderful children's book. I recommend it to everyone. It's called Gwina. Okay, okay. And in that book, there's this teeny little owl named oh. Tobin. <gasps> oh and and Tobin's responsibility is just to take Gwenna on this journey to meet the mother of the owls and then unfolds this whole deep spiritual transformation. And this children's book is actually a beautiful and accurate description of uh, just a, a traditional Mongolian shamanic right. Wow. And I was just like, oh my God, I love this book. I love that <laughs> the teacher taught this book and yeah. my daughter just told the whole story by heart because that's how they learn in Waldorf yeah. school. So she just sat down one day and told me this whole story. And I just, the character of Tobin is the owl in that uh, Mongolian shamanic story is the creature that brings the shaman from this world to the underworld. 
Wow. It's just a messenger or a guide. Yes. And it doesn't have very much more of a role than that, but it's an extremely important role. It's also the entity that would bring you out of life and into death. And, and so I loved that there was this owl, and I have a very deep connection with owls. I have an owl face. I so see shaman it. The thing. baby bird owl. I can so see it, like the sweet little icon. That's yeah. you. It's totally you. And so I was like, Tobin, <laughs> Tobin, this owl. I love the story, and it was just all these connections. So I decided that I would experiment with uh, taking the name Tobin because I liked it so much and it was appropriate by always writing Tobin on my wild berries sandwich orders. <laughs> and I did that for about a year. You know, I was really oh, into gosh. my wild berry sandwiches and they would say Tobin and that felt really good. And so um, to complete the spiritual intention that I had set out with, I decided that I would change my name to Tobin Shenpen Rongdrol. Oh my gosh, I love this. That's the story of my I name. had no idea when I asked you. I... I I had really had no idea, but that's like the best story we've heard. <laughs> it's like probably the best story there is. That's so wonderful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So wait, how many children do you have? Just one. The daughter, your yeah. daughter. Yeah. And what is her name? Raven. Ray. For God's yeah, sake. Yeah, there Does you go. Does it get cute? <laughs> <laughs> right. She just turned 17. What? Yeah. No, she's not 17. Yeah. Well. Hmm. So many things are going on with you, and I'm glad that you're here because I want you to tell us just about everything. Okay. How long have you been in the area? How long have you been in this community? In well, the Humboldt County community? I came here when I was three. Hmm. And I was here until the end of fifth grade. Okay. And then I went to Ashland. Oh, I love Ashland. And I was there. Yeah, me too. In fact, every time I go to Ashland, I think, maybe I should live here again. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice place. It is great. Uh, Finished high school in Ashland and then went on wild travel adventures for many years. And uh, coming back here and meeting Raven's mom. And when she got pregnant, we decided to move to Maui. Oh my gosh. And so I was here for a few (laughs) years and then I moved to Maui and Raven was born. And then we came back here to visit um, some Christmas and we just felt like this was a better place to raise a kid. Oh, I love that. And so when Raven was two or one and a half, we moved back and I've been here ever since. Oh, what a good story. You know, I hear this from lots of parents that... In those those younger years, before the you know transformative years, but in the younger years, that they realized that this was the place to raise a child. Yeah, I hear that so often, and of course, I mean, I know it's a great place to raise a dog because he is loving his life, and I can only imagine what it'd be like to have you know these little human beings that you're taking care of. I mean, I love it here, mm-hmm. and how blessed for these children to grow up in a place so abundant. Yeah. I mean, clean water, fresh air, the best food. What do we have, like five health food stores in like 10 miles? Like, you know, we are just so rich and abundant and prosperous here, and so yeah. it's, yeah, Good on you. Yeah. Good on and, you, you know, Dad. I Good was on a ya. kid. I was a kid here. <laughs> yeah. And it really, Arcata in particular, has not changed very much since I was a kid. And I felt really safe and loved and cared for being a child here. Yeah. And 
you know, the big difference, Maui is a wonderful place, but yes, a lot of the people who go to Maui are going as tourists and the communities are built for that. Yeah. And here, this place is for the people who live here. That's true. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. And, you know, the and the people who you serve and I serve in our practice, they're, they're our community. And it just has a much stronger, uh, real community feeling to it. Yeah, it does and, feel so good. I do yeah. love it. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about your practice and let's talk about how you got into what you do. Tell those listeners who may not know who you are and what you do yet. Can you tell them what it is that you do? And then we'll talk a little bit about how that journey from, you know, Maui and fatherhood uh, into holistic healing, how that shifted for you or like that whole flow. Okay. So I am a somatic educator. Okay. And what that means is that I I work with the body okay and in particular the nervous system and the attention um, to retrain uh, people from pain and uh, chronic injury and um, stress all the things that you would associate with getting a massage yes. I work with and it's just the difference is that it involves the direct conscious participation of the receiver. Oh, I love this. Okay. And and massage can also involve the direct conscious participation of the receiver. So in that way, it's also not different. Uh, but it involves a greater degree of holistic care than just the touch and movement aspect. So it also goes into all the things that a person can do outside of the treatment room for themselves. That self-care piece is huge. And that's where the education part comes in. And so it's about movement, it's about stress reduction, it's about diet, um, and it's about bringing joy and meaning and purpose into your life as a foundation for health. So all of those things come into play. And the platform really seeks to meet all of those needs by empowering the individual to do that on their own. So well said. So I love the fact that you are... Um, a healer in this particular way because so many people need this for their nervous system as we're doing this whole quantum alignment thing and everyone's shifting and, you know, I talk about frequency and vibration, everybody getting into their bodies. This is so needed right now to help with people's nervous system. And I have a couple questions for you on it and I don't know where you stand on them. So coming back to something that you said, um, there is the emotional release and I know there's a technique around it, but I'm wondering if you experience some of your clients on the table going through what we can consider like tremors or shakes and what you think that is, what's going on with the body during that? Because I feel like I know and I have my perception of it, uh, specifically because I've had epileptic seizures since I was like 20 or 19. Mm -hmm. So for a long period of time. And so when those come up for me, um, after doing, you know, years of Kundalini, I'm recognizing that's emotion and energy, just like trapped emotion and energy getting out of my body. What is your take on it? And, and how do you go about, you know, calming a client when they do go through that? Do you have that happen? Yeah, absolutely. It happens um, very naturally whenever a person goes through a major transition, especially from a held stress state that their body and their mind has marked or mm. um, integrated as being fundamental to their survival in some way. Oh, God, I love that. So, well said. so the body believes anything that the mind tells it. And so the mechanism, the survival mechanism, the survival instinct, if 
you know, will a- activate if the mind tells you that you're in danger or something really important is going on. Normally, that is for real dangerous situations. If we go back into like thinking of ourselves as being natural beings in a predation type of situation, then we need to have these fear responses and these this kind of ability to recognize a situation as being fundamental to life or death. So that's a, just a natural capacity that a human being as an animal has. But on top of that, we also have a mind that tells the body that other things that may or may not be actually fundamental to life or death are fundamental to life or death. So that means like this is really important to me. So a lot of our stressors mm-hmm. we label as this is really important to me. Like uh, if I'm engaged in a totally stressful job, I might say, this job is so important. I need this job. I need this job for my survival. And we develop a stress-based emotional attachment to this. And we tell ourselves that that's really important. And then if somebody is on the table and they're letting go of their stress, one of the things they may let go of is the body response to that stress attachment. But at the same time, there's a disparity that happens there because we've continuously told ourselves that that thing is really important. So you're letting go of something that's really important. You're letting go of a protection or a held body posture in association with something that you have told yourself is really important. So you're letting go of something important. This is just groundbreaking. I mean, to you, it's so easy. You're so fluid in saying it, but you know how many of our listeners have never put this together? Yeah. It's never tuned in this way. And it's a totally mind-blowing experience because when it's happening to you on the table, you realize, oh, this isn't magic. This isn't anything weird or cosmic or unusual. I'm just letting go of something that I've been holding on to. But at the same time, the body reacts. So if we've been telling ourselves that this is fundamental to life or death, for years and years, and then we start the process of letting go of it, the body goes, yikes, wait, this is fundamental to life or death. And so it goes into a a stress state. It looks very much like panic. Yes, absolutely. Do you think that's what people are that are having panic attacks and anxiety, you think that maybe is a little portion of what they're going through? Because I do. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) And And it's interesting because if you're grounded in it, it looks and feels like panic. It looks and feels like hyperventilation. Yeah. The hands go into tetany. It looks like shock, but it feels emotionally totally liberating if a person is guided properly into the... That is the key thing. Otherwise, yes. they're just like, yes. they have no idea what's going on. Right. It's super weird. And chemicals are being released now and yeah. it's the fight or flight when the hypothalamus got you know adrenaline running yeah. through. And if someone's not there to guide them, which is what you are doing, yeah. thank goodness for our community. We're very lucky to have you. Yeah, they are kind of left to not know what's going on, yeah. right? So there is a, a whole skill set around guiding a person through that process. And the first step in that is really to have been through it yourself yeah, and to really understand. But one of the things that I, that I tell everybody is this is only okay if it feels okay to you. And at any time that you want this to end, you can make it end. It does not need to play itself out. And the only, the only thing you need to do to end it is just to change context. So you just move, you get up, you turn on the light, you, you change the environment mm, in some yes. way. Okay. And then, yeah. and then it can just kind of peter out or just intend for it to stop and it will I, stop. I love that. I love that. 
So that's the first thing is that it's only okay if it feels okay for you. And then the other thing that I say is if you do choose to go through with this, every person who I've ever been with has only discovered self-love, self-acceptance, peace, and insight as the result of doing it. You are safe to go through this. Now, there is an exception, and that is with uh, re-traumatization of deeply held, profound psychological and physical traumatic experiences in the realm of PTSD or something like that. Um, You can re-traumatize, re-experience, and have absolutely no emotional or psychological benefit from the process at all. And so the therapist needs to be capable of holding space for and recognizing when a person is going through a re-traumatization rather than a release. So a release feels like a release. It feels like a letting go. It feels like an unwaiting. It feels, what I like to say is if you're in a release, you can be in the depths of soul agony and be completely joyful in the experience, knowing that it is good. The witness remains aware and totally safe. If there's not that witness, and if we don't feel totally safe in that process, then it's it's just a trauma or a re-trauma right. or like watching a scary movie or whatever. It, it just stirs up the body and, and, and doesn't really lead to resolve. That's an important part of the of the equation is that the person who's holding space needs to see what's really going on and ask questions and invite that person to really be true and honest with herself about what they're feeling and whether or not they feel safe. When uh, the issue is an idea that you're letting go of rather than a particular traumatic experience, that is when it is most easy to work with and most liberating. So letting go of deeply held concepts that aren't self-serving. Sometimes the body still reacts like, oh my God, that concept is the basis of my ego. That concept is the basis of who I am. I don't want to let go of that. And so then it goes, ah, and it freaks out. Panic, anxiety, stress, like locking up. All Yes. Yes. Um, And then that washes through as a person breathes and lets go and... The, the the deeply held concepts, they don't just like disappear and never come back. They weaken as a result of that I process. I love that you say that, that, they weaken. But I think a lot of people believe that, oh, okay, I've worked on that. It's over. And then if it does come back up for them, then they go into this place of, I mean, this is from where I've worked with myself and worked with others. Some people will go into a place of like, I didn't do deep enough work. Or they start having this inter-dialogue within themselves of, you know, uncomfortability or sadness or fear or frustration being that they didn't work hard enough. And and I always like to tell people like, it may come up again, but it will be softer. And you'll it, know it. Yes. And you can have a relationship. Have, you can yes. say, oh, I, I recognize you. Yes, exactly. I can be with you. Yes. It's very much about being with what our experience is and not holding on to it so tight. Oh, Tobin, I love you so much. I had no idea we were like had so much in common in our <laughs> mental thought processes. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Not to interrupt you, but I I love what you're doing, and I mean I would personally like to come to you. I know that you have worked with Joshua Hanna, who's our mutual like really good friend. Actually, you, Josh, and I 
were planning on doing some kind of like brainiac biohacking laboratory thing. We should get back on that. Oh, yeah. And Josh has let's do setting it. up his space with his <laughs> brainiac biohacking okay, lab. Okay, I'm going to talk to him like tomorrow. So let's get back yeah. on top of that because I think whatever we could do as a trio, I think yes. we should just do it. Yes. On a side note, I want to come to you and ex- you know experience things that you're doing. Can you tell the listeners what it is that you are doing in a session? Because I want to know what a session looks like for you. Because obviously I went into like the SER kind of thing and, and you described it so amazing, like way better than I thought. So can you just tell us what a session looks like? Because I know that's what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. You're, most of your time is spent working on your private practice and your personal life. Mm-hmm. So tell us what a what that looks like. Well, yeah. So you went into the emotional release, which is kind of like the fireworks. And a lot of people are curious about that, or they may want to know more, or they're afraid of it or skeptical about it. But most of what I do is actually uh, just working with people who are in pain, okay. uh, from injury, from stress, from life. A session looks like uh, the person comes in and, and I do a very thorough intake and I hear what's happened in their lives, what's happening now, and what has happened in the past. And I use my knowledge base from having done this for something like 22 years Oh wow! to, to assess what I think is most likely going on. You get some experience under your belt. You, you got this. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm pretty good at listening to what somebody is saying okay. and feeling and thinking about it and putting the pieces together and coming to understand what I think may be some of the underlying causes or whatever is going on for that person. And and then I also use my hands very much. So I kind of, in my assessment, I get an idea of where we're going to start and what I'm going to think about. And then with my hands and with movement, I enter into a dialogue with the body. And the simplest way to put it is that if somebody's muscles are tight, it means that their brain is sending signals to those muscles to be tight. It's real. And it's so funny that people say, get into this, oh my God, that's amazing. It's real. And so I have to back up and say, wait, 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 we're very used to this. So every time you move your body, I'm moving my arm right now. It's a podcast, so you can't see me moving my arm, but I'm moving my arm. In order to move my arm, I'm sending signals from my brain down through my peripheral nervous system into the nerves that activate the muscles of my arm. And then that signal is telling my muscles to contract. That's how muscles contract. When you have a tight muscle, it's a signal from your brain going down through your peripheral nervous system, telling that muscle to be tight. It's a tone signal. So when we're in a stress state, the tone signals from our brain get stronger and the muscles get tighter. When that signal goes from your brain to your muscle, that's a tone signal. It's muscle tone. And one of the best ways you can understand muscle tone is by remembering that moment when you yourself or you have seen somebody nodding off to sleep while they're sitting up. They're, they're, you know, they're sitting in a chair and then they start to fall asleep and their head starts to tilt and then it drops. The dropping of the head in that moment is the release of the muscle tone signal from the brain. So we have muscle tone signals going through to our muscles all the time. Tone is really important. It's what maintains our body temperature. It's what holds us up. But in a stress state, because there's adrenaline and norepinephrine running through your system, your muscle tone signals increase. And there's a strong psychological component to that. So stress is very psychological in nature. It's your mind saying, this is important, this is a problem. And when your mind says that, the body reacts by increasing its muscle tone as if it's getting ready to deal with something important or problematic. And then 
because our bodies are learning organisms, our bodies learn whatever we repeat. And eventually that switches from a basic emergency adrenal to a lower grade stress response associated with cortisol levels in the blood. So as cortisol levels in the blood go up, tone signals are habituated to be stronger in a longer lasting way. Wow. And so we end up in chronic stress and chronic inflammation and chronic pain. All of that is still signals from your brain. Even the cortisol levels are ultimately regulated by signals from your brain, your brain deciding what your body needs to be doing at any given time. And so in a session, what I'm doing is I am entering into a dialogue with the body where I'm recognizing, oh, here's this held tone. And then I talk to the brain using touch, movement, and dialogue with the person to let them decide whether or not that held tone is important. And most of the time, it's like, if you put your mind to it, you're like, no, I mean, actually, that's the whole reason why I'm here today is because I'm, I'm full of all this unimportant body activity that I want to let go of, but I've forgotten how. And so if you're having an injury, then your body's really tight from that injury. If you're recovering from an injury, oftentimes held tension in the body ends up being a secondary problem. So if somebody sprains their ankle and then they end up with low back pain, you can see where that pattern right. is in that person's body. And then you just enter into that dialogue and you say, hey, body. This is what's happening here. And the mind becomes conscious of it. And the mind says, oh, I don't need that anymore. And then it lets go. So the real art is about linking the two, the signals and the movements and the sensations of the body with the deciding and conscious aware part of our brain. And that's really, really empowering because when you are the one deciding to let go, when you are the one deciding to take care of this and, and really notice and take responsibility for it and then do that action of releasing it, that puts the healing entirely into your hands. And so, you know, a lot of times it's like... So empowering. Oh, the healer is supposed to be the amazing one. The healer is supposed to be the one who's doing this amazing thing to this other person. And I really, really, really work hard to reverse that. When somebody is done with a session with me, I want them to think of themselves as having done the healing, as themselves as being the amazing person who pulled off this miracle. I totally speak from experience. I've broken my spine twice. I've suffered from herniated discs and severe nerve damage and was left unable to walk. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And I have resolved all of that without the use of surgery, without the use of pharmaceuticals, with Holy the use God. of radical and comprehensive self-care, which I do every day. And so that's the other side of it is that, okay, if I wasn't a person who spent an hour every day really, really taking care of myself in really, really specific ways, then I would be a person with chronic pain, 100%. I would be one of my clients who spent the last 17 years since I crushed the disc in my spine. It was five days before my daughter was born. If I hadn't done that level of radical self-care for all these years, then I would be like one of my clients who had to have disc surgery and was addicted to pharmaceuticals and was experiencing body-wide inflammation that was showing up all over the place in other areas of their body and their life and living in chronic pain. And as it is, I'm healthier and stronger and more vital really than I ever have been in my life. I love that. Because I have to spend so much time taking care of myself. 
But what a gift to spend all this time taking your, care of yourself, right? Yes. I and mean, that's what the quantum alignment, that's what it's all about. So I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's about that time in our podcast where we have to take a short break. But when we come back, I really want to talk about this radical self-care that you're talking about. There's so many other questions I have for you. You've been an amazing guest thus far. Thank you so much for being here. Let's give a quick shout out to a local aligned business that I, of course, love so very much, and I know that you will too. This is Dr. Pepper Hernandez from Natural Medicine on the Plaza. Have you ever thought about becoming a holistic health practitioner? Well, now you can with online classes as well as traditional in-class workshops right here in Arcata, Humboldt County. This program is being taught by some of the most amazing teachers in the areas of herbal medicine, holistic anatomy, women's yoni health, essential oils, juice cleansing, meditation, yoga therapy, Ayurvedics, and so many more. Visit the website today and get started on your application, drpepperhernandez.com. Interested in classes, workshops, or other trainings? Check out the website for more information. Start your new journey now, and let's make this your very best year ever. Let's move right into radical self-care because you talked about that right before our break. And then I want to talk with you about projects that you have going on. And then also, you know, we didn't really touch base on how you got to doing what you're doing. So those are three really quick questions, but let's start off with talking about your personal habits and daily rituals that you have for yourself from being where you were with the spinal injury and all these things going on with your body to where you are now. I mean, 20 years of experience plus Mm -hmm. has really helped you get fully in alignment with some deep radical self-care. Yeah. Tell us what those are. Well, maybe I should answer two questions at once. Sure, Which is of how I got into this and radical self-care. Yeah. Because I was born to what I call hippie parents. Although my mom, whenever I call Loving her Loving the that, hippies. Yeah, she says, I, I wasn't a hippie. <laughs> I had a job. <laughs> um, in my life, ever through my whole childhood, I was exposed to uh, healing and natural health. So from birth, that was just part of my world. And um, and so that's the answer to how I got into this is my mom is a, is a somatic educator and has a master's degree Good in Chinese Good on you, medicine. mama. Good on you. Yeah. And yeah. she was my main teacher and how I got into this when I was a teenager. And What's your mother's name? 
Sherry Sunshine. <gasps> Sherry Sunshine. Shout out to Sherry. And since we Aww. started this conversation by talking about names. Yes. Yes. Please tell me That's her real that. name. Oh. That's not a hippie name. <laughs> and I like to tell this story. My grandfather, is, uh, he was Erwin Patrick Sunshine. Oh, my gosh. And uh, he was a dentist. And on the door of his dental office, the nameplate said, I.P. Sunshine. <laughs> DDS. <laughs> and that was on purpose. I thought you were going somewhere else with that one. Oh my God, that's incredible. So I Sunshine, not a hippie name. Right, right, right. It's a real, real one. Real name. Okay, got you, got you. Um, anyway. Oh my God, you're a hoot. Not only are you a genius, but you're also funny too. <laughs> great, great. So I, st- I said that because I have been a vegan. I have been a vegetarian. I have been omnivorous. I've had a you know period of time in high school where I Taco Bell and I've well-rounded human yeah experience. and I've experimented with all different kinds of healthcare modalities uh, and been the receiver of you know every imaginable kind of real and not real wonderful and not wonderful kind of healing touch or sure. um, whatever you you name it and I have have been with it in some way or another and experimented with my own body to learn what my particular needs are. And so that's how I've developed over the years, uh, you know, this radical self-care, these routines um, for myself that really work to keep me as healthy as I can possibly be. And then on top of that, working as a healer for so long and as a teacher, having recognized what, you know, the root of a lot of people's problems are, there are some common themes. The way that my mind works is I I like to look to the root of things. I like to look at what those common themes are. I like to look at what the fundamental principles at work are, what's really going on here. And so I've moved away from a particular kind of programmed philosophy. For example, being a vegan. I was not a very good vegan. I think you can do vegan really well. Mm -hmm. And I was too young and experimental and I didn't do it well. But I was also doing it not because my body was telling me but because my mind yes i understand that and so so a dietary philosophy is different than listening to your body and Mm -hmm. learning about your body through experience and it's really what i've developed is not from conceptual or philosophical perspective but from an experience perspective inside my own body what works i love that absolutely um and then and then seeing the common themes that everybody has a body and we're basically just you know organisms and so there are some really just grounded common themes that you can think about. My my routines are that I I wake up in the morning and I have a glass of hot water with apple cider vinegar in it and I let that move through my system and then I eat a piece of fruit. And then I do my exercise right then. So it's kind of uh, exercise with fasting, but I need a little bit of calories just to sure. kind of move me through that period of time. And I either do... 45 minutes to an hour of cardiovascular exercise or light targeted weight training specific to my body. And I alternate between those two. I have learned how to exercise particularly for my body with having had some serious back injuries in ways that don't make it worse and do make it better. And in my work, I see a lot of people who are in pain, who are suffering from injuries, using exercise to get better, but not doing it in a way that really works for their body. And in general, the biggest problem there is pushing. It is doing too much. It is pushing into pain. It is moving in ways that hurt or hurting after moving. 
thinking that you need to have that pain in order to progress. And in particular, when you have an injury and when you're already in pain, that just doesn't work for the system. It aggravates the system, it increases inflammation, and it tends to just make matters worse. So I really work with myself in order to do things that don't contribute to inflammation at all. And that means not doing things that hurt. And through the process of figuring out what that is for my body, I've come up with movements and, and activities that I can do and really, really love and enjoy. And one of those is just walking up hills. That's one of my favorite recommendations to give people. I think cardiovascular exercise is hugely important and missing from a lot of people's lives. All you have to do is walk up a hill. There are plenty of them around here. Yeah, and I was just <laughs> I was just teaching in Los Angeles and I had a little bit of trouble finding hills. Yeah. Uh, like in the neighborhood where we were staying, I found every hill that I could. And, and I, just repeated them multiple yes. times. Yes. <laughs> the neighbors saw this weird guy walking up and down. <laughs> So if you have hills, that's a really good resource. And so I do my exercise for about an hour to an hour and a half. Oh, I left out morning meditation. I kind of meditate periodically throughout the day, but my wife and I meditate in the morning. uh, First thing, right? Actually, right after my piece of fruit. So then after my exercise, I have to work. And so I work and I work at a massage table and I really concentrate on my body while I'm working and And so I use my work as a form of exercise. And since I'm doing that for most of the day, it's it's really a wonderful practice. Now, not everybody has that, you know, work that they can do that involves so much movement. And one of the things that I've seen is that that period of work time is often spent sitting in chairs. And so I I actually don't sit at home in, in any ordinary chair ever like we're sitting in now. I've modified all of my chairs or I have alternative chairs everywhere throughout my house because the way that this chair positions my sacrum puts pressure directly on the injured part of my spine. And that goes for pretty much anybody who has low back pain, (gasps) disc issues in the lumbar spine, sacroiliac joint dysfunction. In my office where I work, I have a stool that goes up and down, a massage stool. And the important point is just to have the hips above the knees okay, and the spine in a neutral position. The chair that I'm sitting in right now for this podcast has my lumbar curve pulled, you know, rounded. So that's not a neutral spine. It's a rounded lumbar. No, I'm fine. I'm I'm fine. Okay, okay. (laughs) And my sacrum is tilted back. Okay. And so this is a position that, you know, I have, I'm plenty healthy and have plenty of strength and it's not going to do me any damage. But for most people sitting in these chairs from childhood in school all the way through their adult life, this becomes a huge problem. And I know one of your questions is like, what do people come to you, problem you come to you most with? I think that chairs are probably the biggest problem. So we have your radical self-care routine, most of it, um, that you've told us thus far. And then, then we kind of move into what would we suggest to create the superhuman, right? We're trying to help everyone evolve to their highest aligned self. And so this would be a big piece, right, is just yeah. having the right chair. Yeah. And so, And then in my car, I have a wedge-shaped seat cushion. So cars really curve you around. So I have a, the bottom part where my butt is in the car is sitting on a wedge. And again, that tilts the pelvis and puts the pelvis above the knee. And so I'm saying that because, you know, my day is spent mostly standing or sitting on that stool and moving my body. And so my work becomes part of my self-care. But for a lot of people, work is 
is really one of the bigger detriments to a person's wellness. And the other thing that I have is a sit-to-stand desk. Yes. And a reclining desk. So I do a lot of writing, and I write in three positions, either sitting on my stool with my pelvis above my knees, standing, because I just lift up the whole thing, and yes. then I'm standing. Those are such cool things. I've seen them. Yeah, wonderful. I've worked with them, yeah. And then I have a reclining desk, which I use on my couch. So I prop myself up on my couch in a reclining position, and then I have this, like, bamboo lap desk that I put my laptop on. And that's actually one of my most comfortable positions. If I have a really long project or I'm going to spend a lot of time, I'll be in a reclining position doing all of my work and then getting up frequently to move and and things like that. So that is part of my my self-care. And then dietarily, I, I really encourage everybody to experiment with the kinds of foods that work best. And then there are just some really basic principles. And for a lot of people, observing the basic principles is a major life change. And it comes down to eating whole foods. Yes, absolutely, 100%. I mean, that's really all you have to say. All the other things are fads. I mean, really. Uh, except <laughs> chocolate. Since this is a chocolate-sponsored wait, wait, podcast. Wait, wait, is chocolate... Uh, <laughs> it's not a chocolate-sponsored podcast yet. Wait, are we saying that chocolate is a bonus into that? Like you can have whole foods and chocolate? Yeah. Okay. That's That's, that's where you and I were going <laughs> to... <laughs> but it's a joke that I live by. Well, you know, you can have really great chocolate, though. Cacao, yes. honey, or agave nectar, yes. and then coconut oil. I mean, you can make some really dense, nutrient, amazing chocolate yeah. for yourself. And it's almost... That's the, the kind of chocolate I'm talking about. Yeah. It's almost a whole food. But it's, it, it, you know, it, it to is. get to the chocolate part, it, it, if you look at what chocolate really comes from, it's this big thing. And it's right. got a lot of processing that goes through. Sure, to, sure. So it's it's not a whole food, but it's not a bad processed food. Right. The sugar that comes right. in a lot of chocolate is a whole other issue, obviously. So eating whole foods... Yes. And drinking enough water... Yes. ...are all you really got to go by. And then you tweak it. Yeah. So... I eat uh, more raw foods than I used to uh, because I learned more about raw foods and I noticed that my body really appreciated it. I eat less protein than I used to. I went on a big protein kick for a long time. And uh, when I shifted to less but just really clean protein, mostly fish, I found that all the things that I was looking for from protein I was getting from the protein that I was eating. Mm -hmm. So I exercise a lot. So I need that tissue growth. I'm constantly working on healing and regenerating my tissues because I have degenerative disc disease and things like that. So I need that. That protein is very important to me, which is why I got so into it. But what I really found was that I was overburdening my digestive system. And were you digesting the protein, right? I mean, there's all that little piece. It's how much protein does your body really need for what it needs. And what we really like is Mm -hmm. energy. And that comes primarily from carbohydrates, nutrients, and carbohydrates and fats. And so healthy fats and, and healthy carbs. And I think the thing that most people experience that's not good for them is unhealthy sources of carbohydrates. And that's given carbohydrates a bad name. But carbohydrates are the thing that we make all of our energy from. Like cells run on carbohydrates. You can't run a, ga- a car on anything except gas. If you put anything but gas in a car's tank, it doesn't go. If you put anything in a cell's gas tank except carbohydrates, it doesn't go. So they're really, really, really important. 
Uh, and, you know, that's what the cell is using fats for in the same way, converting to carbohydrates and carbohydrates and fats being the source of energy. And then just what those fats are coming from and what those carbs are coming from. So personally, I mostly eat whole foods. And what that means is I grind my own grains and I make my own whole grain sourdough bread. It's just sour rye berries and water and salt. And that's my bread. It's utterly delicious. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. And I put pictures of that up on my Facebook feed. <laughs> like, if I do my healing work on my Facebook feed, you know, a couple people comment it. But when I put the rye bread on the Facebook feed, <laughs> then it's like, everybody, bam, everybody yeah. loves that. It's like, so, yeah, I should go into business just making rye bread. You can. It's simple. <laughs> We'd love it here. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, you know, whole grains and... Uh, you know, then I just eat vegetables mm -hmm. and I eat dairy. Uh, I try to get most of my dairy from goat milk from a local farmer and we have our own chickens. And so I eat those eggs and we grow as much vegetables as, as we yeah, can. Yeah, you got it. You've got it dialed in. Yeah. And Good. kale grows all the time. Yeah. And that's it. You know, Sounds vegetables wonderful. and grains and fruits and fish and dairy and yeah. eggs. That's what I eat. Yeah. Um, and then the other side of radical self-care is, is really just in my own mind. Uh, I have found that my own mind is uh, the source of most of my stress. And so, everyone. <laughs> right? And so working with my mind actively through regular daily meditation training and not just seated meditation on a cushion, but engaged constant daily meditation absolutely um and really recognizing those things that i think that are stressing me out that i don't need to be thinking about and and it's not just cutting away the thoughts it is a, a process of letting go of those thoughts that i'm thinking that are stressing me out but also replacing them with different thoughts mm -hmm. and and most of the time what i do is just think about the well-being of others and that one just turns everything around. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's not about me anymore. I think about the well-being of the people around me. And I think in broader terms about what I can really do as a person to benefit not only the, the, the current generation, but future generations. And to set things in place and to support things that really are, are going to take care of future children and future people. And the more time that I spend thinking about the well-being of others, the bigger my heart feels, the more inspiration I get. And that kind of thinking is, I think, maybe better than exercise, better than food. It, that gives some sort of really potent inspiration and life force that fuels me and, and grows the more that I give attention to it. Yeah, that's like everything. It's like, no matter... What we do in life, as long as our mind can start to train itself to really calibrate to positivity, then we're set, right? And when we can start, I love the fact that you said, if I can think of others and how that's going to vibrate through their realities, that is so very important because sometimes, I mean, even myself, we get stuck in these places of worrying or stress or uncomfortability, but if we can just make it that clear, that black and white, like, what about the other person or what about the community or what, what does this affect someone else? I, I love yeah. that. Moving on to self-care recipe, if we're creating avatars, superhumans, 
what would you suggest to them? Obviously, some of the same things that you're doing for yourself, but is there anything else that you would suggest as a self-care recipe? Other than what I just said, honestly, no. I, I, what I, I'll repeat what I just said because for I, yourself, the things that you did for yourself. I, I think right? that I, you know, if we want to become our best selves, we should exercise and eat whole foods, work with our minds, directing them toward thinking about the well being of others, sleep well. Maybe if, if those things are taken care of in our lives, then not just thinking about the well-being of others, but once we have the energy from those sources, once we are nourishing ourselves and we feel vibrant and alive, then actually going out and doing work that benefits others, really coming into a recognition that we are here for a reason, for a purpose. And when we feel our purpose, then things go a lot better. But in almost all cases, that deeper purpose has to do in some way with caring for others. And so I think in answer to your question, I would say to become that superhuman that you're talking about, uh, I would recommend actually engaging in direct activities that benefit others. I love that. I love that. That's why we have this podcast. I'm going to clap for you, Tobin. I have just enjoyed our time so much. And I hope that even after the podcast, we get to spend more time together because we should carve that time out. Before I let you go, though, we have one last little thing that we like to do in the podcast, kind of just ties it all together, brings it all together. It's called tarot or tarot, depending on where you're at. And today we have the wisdom for healing cards. Would you like to do it with us? I totally would. Sweet. I'm glad you said yes. (laughs) Okay, so you will shuffle. Then you will choose a card in any way that you want. You can hand scan them. You can visually pick whatever feels good to you intuitively. And then once you've done that, you can start now. And then once you've done that, then you'll read it to the audience. You'll tell us what it looks like and you'll read it to them. While you're doing that, I'm going to play the singing bowl. got one? I have picked my card. Yay. Okay, what do you got for us? Practice the art of transformation. (gasps) Ooh, so good. It's the transformation time. Today's lesson. Acknowledge one situation in your life that's taking your power. Transform that situation into something positive and maintain that perspective as a spiritual discipline for the entire day. When your spirit slips into negativity, Simply breathe and then pray your way back to an inner space of positive visualization. Your goal to practice the art of transformation. Tobin, tell me how this resonates with the message that you've brought to our show today. I think that one of the things that bogs us down the most is actually trying to hold on to things for too long, uh, trying to you know, keep things the way that they are, trying to push away things that we don't like. The world never stops moving and things never stop changing. And so a lot of times healing feels like transformation when really it's more just coming into alignment with the constantly transforming quality of the world and the universe, of being naturally who we are, which is this growing, evolving 
being. Yeah. And it's when we stop transforming that really the problems start to mount up. That's so true. Right? When we start to feel like we're stuck or we're like don't want to change or something like that's when it starts to, Tobin, we need to be hanging out. I like you so much. Before we let you go completely, can you tell the listeners, I have a couple things to ask you real quickly before we end our show. I know that you're doing classes all over the world. There's some projects going on for you. And then I want to let the listeners know how to reach out to you via social media or the social media platforms. Can you answer those three things before we go? So actually, the big project that I'm working on is called Middleway Network. And it is a nonprofit organization that's part of the Ink People Center for the Arts Dream Maker program. And what we are doing is providing free wellness training and services to everyone, but in particular focusing on underserved populations, which basically just in the context of wellness means anybody who hasn't had access to wellness resources for some reason. So it's funny because I earn my living providing wellness resources. <laughs> and what I've recognized is that's that. It's really a luxury service that I provide, and I really happily and joyfully provide it. But most of the people on earth can't afford what I have to offer. As a person who thinks about all of those people and, and sees so many people suffering, and so many people suffering from mostly what turns out to be a lack of information, I just decided mm-hmm. to put, make create a platform that brings people that information. And so that's you can find that at middlewaynetwork.org. There, what you'll see is you can sign up for the free wellness training yourself. You can also sign up for free professional training to become an approved provider through the Middleway Network. And what that means is that you, your services include wellness services for the people who you serve. And the special part of that project is that what I have learned through my own experience is that when somebody says something wise and true, sometimes we hear it and sometimes we don't. And it really depends on whether or not that voice is coming uh, from a place that connects with you. There needs to be a much greater diversity of voices speaking these truths, creating their own wellness resources for their communities. And when I was working on the initial uh, stages of this idea with Libby Maynard at the Ink People Center for the Arts, she used the word microcultures. And so we live in microcultures. You know, I just came back from Los Angeles where you drive a block and you're in a different microculture. Right. And in Arcata, it's kind of a bubble contained, uh, very sheltered microculture. In the world and in each family actually is a microculture and each mind itself is a microculture and each person has their own beautiful thing to offer. So the Middleway platform is designed to encourage people to go through their own wellness process and then articulate it themselves in a way that somebody else is going to be able to hear. So, so what I have to share might be valuable, but when somebody interprets that through their own experiences and then reshares it, it becomes valuable to a different microculture of people. So that's the Middleway Network project. And I love it. I encourage everybody who's listening to look at that and think about people who might need it. Reaching me, you can find my website at middlewaymethod.com. So the middlewaymethod.com is like the one where you can go and find out what services I provide. And middlewaynetwork.org is the nonprofit site. And people can reach out to you to enjoy some of your services or find out more about your projects or classes or anything there. Yes, right? absolutely. Okay. Well, I will be one of the first to jump on that site. <laughs> 
thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today and help others, you know, really get tuned in to their highest alignment. Because I think a lot of things that you said, I mean, helped us out here on the show, but I know some of our listeners will just like soak that up like a sponge. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it has just of course. Been awesome. Oh, I'm so glad you've enjoyed it because I've yeah. enjoyed myself. And for you, listener, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, I'm your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Have a magical, wonderful day. And let's make this your very best life ever. This episode has been brought to you by Universal Love.